through 11. Follow along with me as I read from God's word. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Praise God for the reading of his word. Let's pray this morning. Father, we are thankful for who you are. Father, thankful for your mercy that you showed us. Father, we were sinners yet you sent your son to die for our sins. He took the penalty for our sins upon himself and nailed them to the tree so that we could be unified with you, so that we could live eternally with you. Lord, we are so thankful for what you do. And Lord, we just pray. Lord, we live in a world that is marred by sin. Everywhere we learn to look, everywhere we turn, Lord, we see the effect of sin in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So thank you for sending your son. Lord, I pray this morning that your word would encourage us to show us the victory that you have won, that we may walk as you would have us to walk. So I pray you would change our hearts through the power of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Good morning. Oh man, that was like one person. That was less than the first service. Good morning. There we go. Okay, you guys are awake. That's good. My last resort was going to put the mic up and breathe into it and pop it really loud, make Jared mad and wake you guys up. But uh, it's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Pastor Chad, all right, and I am one of the assistant pastors here. I am teaching pastor, so I, am, I get the privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. Um, and so I am grateful to be here, grateful to be able to wear sweaters again since it's so cold, all right, and it's crazy how fast it changed. But I'm thankful that you guys are here this morning, and I'm most thankful that we can look at God's word together, because as we constantly mention the truth and the power to walk with Christ comes through the fact that he revealed himself to us through his word, and we can know him through his word. And so I'm thankful this morning to share his word with you. So I pray that we can grow together um, as we look at Romans 6 and continue to walk through our sermon series by faith. And this morning we are talking about by faith, that we are truly alive. By faith, we are truly alive this morning, and we face a battle each and every day, right? We don't always think about it, or we might think of different battles that we face 
each and every day. The older you get, it's harder to get out of bed, right? The colder it gets, the harder it is to get out of bed every morning when it's still dark outside. Um, But we face a battle every day that we don't always give enough thought to. We battle against sin every day, right? In this passage, Paul is beginning to talk to us about sin, right? We remember as we walked through Romans 5, sin entered the world through Adam, right? Through the sin that was committed in the garden, sin entered the world. And sin has marred, it has harmed our world, it has corrupted our world ever since that point. And we face that each and every day. And sometimes it seems overwhelming, does it not? And it can, I mean, you watch the news today and it's, it is hard to watch seeing all the, dis, the, um, the unrest, seeing the fights, the wars, the hardship. Sin has wreaked havoc on our world. And chapter six, after we see that sin entered the world, chapter six, Paul started off by asking well, what should we say then since, you know, sin entered, but God sent his son, Jesus, and now more grace abounds. So should we keep sinning so there can be more grace? Obviously, the answer is no, all right? That is no. I just want to make that clear as we move on. Pastor Chad did not say, yes, we should keep sinning so that grace can abound. We should not, all right? We do not sin for grace to abound. But sometimes that question gets asked, because of the burden. Like, man, how can I stop sinning? It is so hard. It is a battle we face each day. And so I'm thankful for Romans chapter 6 because Paul starts to lay out. He doesn't just say, no, stop sinning. He gives us, how can we start walking in victory? How can we continue to walk in victory? And this is not the only place, but this is the place we get to look this morning that we see how we can walk, how we can be truly alive to God. And so we're going to walk through how can we live in victory. And as we see in verse 5, Romans chapter, or verse 5 of Romans chapter 6, he starts with a very simple statement, just building off of what he said last week, what we talked about, what Pastor Josh preached about. It says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We have a new position. We are unified with Christ. All right, and so, you know, like we say that, we take that, sometimes we take that for granted. Think about that. We are now united fully with Christ. And you see the beginning of that verse, it says if, but as you read the Greek and the Greek context, um, really that should be translated since. Since we have been united with Christ in his death, we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And just that truth alone is amazing, right? It is a truth that is so amazing, yet too often we take it for granted. What did Romans 5 say about where we were before Christ? We were sinners and we were his enemies, dead in our sin, right? We were completely dead. We weren't just like a little bit helpless. We weren't like cute little puppies needing help along. We were defiant enemies towards God, walking in our sin. 
yet he chose to send his son to die for us while we were still sinners. And we went from being his enemies to being unified with him, to being united with him. We get to experience the joy and the benefit of his death and resurrection. We were united with him, as it talks about in baptism. We identify with him in his death on the cross as we, through his power, can die to sin. We are united with him in his resurrection. Do we deserve any of that? No. Did we do anything to earn that? No. Right? This is the whole point of Romans 1 through 3, talked about our sin. All of us are sinners, and we all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, everyone sitting here listening today, every one of us, all of us fell short of God's glory. None of us did anything to deserve anything other than eternal punishment. Yet, by faith, we can become united with Christ. Right? And he, he gave us in Romans 4 the example of Abraham. Abraham didn't get to be united with Christ, did not get the benefits of being united with God by works. All right? He didn't get it by following the law. He didn't get it by following circumcision. He received new life by faith. It was counted to him as righteousness. And so Paul is reminding us, if we're going to battle against sin, we need to remember we are united with Christ. We are no longer his enemies. We are now his children. And he wants to help us. We are on his team. That's an amazing thought. That we no longer have to look as God as our enemy. As somebody who is waiting, is going to be our judge and send us to eternal, eternal punishment. Romans 5.1, we now have peace with God through Christ. We are unified with Christ. If we are going to battle sin, you need to remember that you are unified with Christ. He is our Savior. He is the one whom we can go to. He is on our side. He is now for us. And that is something that we cannot overlook. And that is something that we need to meditate on, that we are now unified with him. And there is, again, there is so much that could be said about all these verses, but just focus on the fact that we can abide in him. Jesus told his disciples before he went to the cross in the upper room in John 15, said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I will abide in you. He has grafted us in. This is the, the, the cool part about this verse because it says, for if we have been united, and if you have a different translation, some translations say, you, for you have been planted with Christ. You have been put together with him. You have been grafted in. You are now experiencing the power of God through Christ. You have been put in, planted together with him. And it carries the idea that that is not something that was yours by nature. It was something that was done. This was not natural for us. God brought us in together with him. And so as we look to walk in victory, you have been united with Christ.
You have been planted with him. You have been put in his team. You can walk together with him. Because if that's not true, then you don't have a hope to win victory over sin. There is no victory over sin. There is no walking in newness of life apart from Christ. And you will see this over and over. If you remember at the beginning of Romans 5, Paul repeated over that this is done. You know, he says you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ, you have also obtained access. Through Christ, he continues to mention this phrase. Why? Because we easily forget. Anything and everything that we have in him is through Christ. He accomplished it. It is through him. And so we either forget or we start to think that it's because of how good we may be or what we have done. It is all because of Christ. We, in Christ, we have a new position. We are unified with him. So if we are going to battle sin, if we are going to walk in victory, we need to know what our new position is. And then the second thing that we see in verses 6 through 10 is that in Christ, we have true knowledge. We have true knowledge. We get to know him. And if you read through the New Testament, you will see the word know, knowledge, understand repeated throughout. Because we need to know truth if we are going to walk in victory. All right, we don't walk in victory because we just hope that it might happen. Or we don't walk in victory just on our feelings or our emotions. We can walk in victory because of what we know to be true. All right, what we know to be true and that we have truth given to us through God's word. And so this is kind of what stuck out to me as we went through this, as I went through this passage that we studied, or what are the things that Paul tells us that we know? What do we know? What can we know? What can we build our confidence in on? What is the truth? First thing he says in verse six is, we know that our old self was crucified with him. We know that God won the victory on the cross. We know that Adam, right, brought sin into the world. Sin came into the world through Adam, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. We know now that that old man was killed, that that victory was won by Jesus on the cross. Condemnation came through Adam. Justification came through Christ. Paul repeated this, right? He, he repeated this in Galatians he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is now, I no longer live, but Christ through me. Our, the sin nature, all right, the sin nature, our propensity to sin, our desire to sin, that has not been completely eradicated yet, all right? So that should give you relief, because if you do struggle with sin, like we all do, that has not been eradicated. But what has been eradicated is its dominance and its dominion and its mastery over us. We no longer have to serve sin as our master, because Jesus won the victory on the cross. So we have been crucified with him, the old man through Adam, the old man we were in Adam, completely dominated by sin, able to follow after sin. That power has been broken through the power of the cross. And this word to be crucified with is only mentioned five times in the New Testament, or five, yeah, five times in the New Testament. And two of them I already mentioned, the verse here in Galatians 2.20. The other three are when are mentioned, are used in the gospel. 
the criminals when they were crucified with Christ. And so this is a very personal thing, that our sin, the, the dominion of sin, crucified with Christ on the cross. All right, it's not something that we hope happened, something that is a wish. It did happen. Sin was crucified. The penalty for sin was taken care of. Colossians 2 tells us this, that our certificate of debt was nailed to the cross. It was crucified. Our penalty for sin was crucified. We know that. That is not something that we have to wonder about. It's something that we get to know through Christ. Um, and he, he continues, he says, in verse 6, he says that we should never be in, or that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. And again, sin was brought, doesn't mean, again, people read through this passage, and say, oh, does that mean that, you know, we should be sinlessly perfect now? All right, it does not mean that. Obviously, you read through First John, that is, we if we confess, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our teaching that should never struggle with sin again. But he is saying that the dominance and the mastery sin had over us has been broken. And that sin's power is no longer supreme in our life. It no longer reigns as the great over us. God does. And so longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has been, has died, has been free from sin. And there are a couple different ways that this is in. One who has died, as, as you think back to Galatians 2.20, that, you know, the penalty of sin through Adam, the old man, has been crucified. Just as Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I live in me. Um, but also listening through to Martin Jones, who was a, a great preacher, as he talked about Romans, said it also, as he read through it and studied and translated, it simply just means that when you actually die, you are completely free from sin. That you are completely free from the impact of sin until you die. And think through just in context, because what did we just talk about again Romans 5? Sin entered the world through Adam. And what entered death. So what meant victory? This is death. People who die in sin are eternally separated from God. And that was also victory for Jesus. But what did Jesus defeat on the cross? Death so that those who now have given their life to Christ by faith, sin no longer is the end. Sin is not something to be dreaded. Our death is no longer the ultimate end. Once we die now, Christ has triumphed over death. Now, once we die, if we have faith in Christ, sin no longer matters. We will be free eternally with is that, that is just an amazing thought to think through, that God defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? Jesus triumphed over death. The greatest penalty is now the beginning of the full realization of our newness of life. 
And those things we know. These are just hopes and wishes. These are things that we know are true. And why do we know that they are true? Because he says, now if we've died with Christ, we will also live with him. Why? Because we know that Christ being dead will never die again. Jesus rose from the grave and lives now on the right person that rose from the dead to never die again. Lazarus died again. Widow's son died again. Everyone who was raised from the dead died again. Jesus did not, and he will not. And because of that, because of that, know that no longer has dominion. And so that we will live with him. And again, these things that we know start what the way we live. This is so important, right, that Paul continues to talk about knowledge when he, throughout the New Testament, Philippians, um, and I'll turn there, Philippians 3 talks about you know, is to know Christ. He says um, in verse, in chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him Chapter 3, verse 10 of Philippians, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share suffering like him in his death. What we spend our time and what we matters. What are we spending our time thinking about, meditating on? What do we know of the truth of what God has done? For the death he died for, to sin, he died once for all. Hebrews talks about that. He died his death once for all. His sacrifice was good once for all. His sacrifice paid for all sin. And this is something that we know. Again, we don't guess. We don't hope. We know this. So that the life he lives, he lives to God, that we will live eternally with him. And so again, just the emphasis on what do we no. And this is, I was chatting this week because what, what dominates our mind is what we spend the most time thinking about. And what we spend the most time thinking about is normally what we spend the most time letting into our mind. Is that true? That, that is what we think about a lot. And so as, you know, when I teach pastor, I was convicted of this week. Know that, or those of you don't know, but if you do know, one thing that I do really love outside of God's word and following after him. I love sports and I love college football, all right? And I like Michigan, the Wolverines, all right? And so you may, you may or may not have heard that Michigan accused of doing something, stealing signs, all right? And so all of a sudden, this, these podcasts and different things I was listening to began to be very negative towards Michigan, all right? And as an unbiased person, I don't think Michigan did anything wrong. All right, just get that out there. Just kidding. That's neither here nor there. All right. I realized that I had been listening because at work sometimes I can listen to stuff, and I had been listening to so much of that stuff that it actually bothered me all the negativity. And I was like, oh. and I was like, I, I was frustrated. And then I was like, why am I frustrated? How much of what I do actually has any impact and bearing on what Michigan does? Okay, none. 
All right? They don't even know I exist. All right? I do like to cheer for them. All right? But they, I am not unified with them. I am not invested that much into them. But it was all of the information that I was letting into my mind, what I was reading, what I was hearing, all of these things starting to impact what I was thinking. I was spending too much time thinking about something that was unimportant. All right? And, you know, I like you know, we like to think we're more important than we are sometimes. And I joke with the first service, you know, I was like, you know, Michigan was accused of trying to steal signs. And I was part of that vast network of spies sent out to, you know, watch all these college football games. The one who had been tasked, right, tasked to videotape the signs for Iowa's offense. And then at the beginning of the year, they said, I don't need you. We're good to go. All right. Okay. A little joke. All right. Went over better in the first service. But anyways, again, all of this stuff I was thinking, in my mind, focusing, not, not even outgoing, like this is what I really want to think about. It's just easy to do because we all have phones, right? Headphones, podcasts. We can, we can listen to and watch just about anything that we want to at any time. And I was spending too much time filling my mind with things that did not matter. And so the challenge, as we think about what Paul was writing here to the Roman church, what do you know? What do you spend your time doing? If you want to walk in victory over sin, if you want to walk in the newness of what Christ offers, you have to spend time with him. You have to word. You have to meditate on what he says. And not only just read it, think about the truth that is found there. And the cool thing is that right, if you are a follower of Christ, Jesus gave you his Holy Spirit to help you understand his word. We don't have an excuse today to not spend time in his word. If you don't like to read, you can listen to God's word on your have somebody read it to you if you need to. There is no excuse to not spend time hearing, reading, meditating on God's Word. Because if you want to walk in victory, then you need to spend time on what is important. And there is nothing more important than knowing our Savior and reflecting on the truth of And so if we want to have victory, then we need to know true things about God, and we need to meditate on those things. And the cool thing is we think through that, and you're like, well, why, why would that be so? A few weeks ago, I, I had the privilege of sitting in and, and teaching and walking through some stuff with, with GCR, um, the Gospel-Centered Recovery Group, and we were going through Ephesians, and one of the passages, and again, there's so many passages that come to mind, but this one stuck out to me as we were thinking about resurrection and what we know and why it's so important. Paul was writing to the Ephesians and praying, he said, having, in Ephesians 1.18, he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. 
Why is it important that we know these things? Because the same power of God that rose Jesus from the dead is the same power that is at work inside every believer. Not a similar power. It is the same power. God's power is available to all who call upon him. That power is at work in our lives, and we, too many times, we drown it out. We drown it out with a whole bunch of other stuff that's not important when we look either through our phones or technology, through whatever it may be. We're trying to walk in victory with Christ, yet we are going back to the very things that enslave us. And so, again, in Christ we have a new position, in Christ we have true knowledge, and then in Christ we have a changed mindset. All right? And so why? Why is all this important? Why do we why does he tell us it's important that we know all these things? It's so that we can have the right mindset going forward. It says in verse 11, it says, So then, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Based on everything that I just said, if you want to have victory over sin, then you have to have the right mindset. And this is important. This is not, again, hopefully we've Paul's made it clear, and as we've tried to explain it, this mindset is not just, I'm going to think positive thoughts and hope the best happens, all right? That's not what he's talking about here, because that doesn't work, does it? Have you tried that? Just thinking, you know, I'm going to think positive things, and then just positive things are going to happen. Sometimes we get preached that, and as I have gotten older, I have tried to think positive thoughts about my running speed, and running, because I run to try and keep up with my kids who are all very good runners. And I can think all the positive thoughts that I want. I can tell myself that I'm a fast runner. I can think those thoughts while running downhill into the wind so it feels like I'm fast, all right? Which I may have done on Friday. <laughs> but I can think all those things, but you know what the actual truth is? I am getting older, and by getting older, I am getting slower. All right? And I ran as fast as I could in tempo run, trying to see, you know, before my kids ran a 5K in cross country in running in the state. And it's like, I wonder how fast I could get. And like running as hard as I could, potentially taking a break or two because I was running faster than normal. I was like barely getting under 21 minutes for three miles. And that's slow if you, for cross country runners. All right? And I was trying to think positive thoughts, and I was hoping that all the people that saw me thought I was super fast. When in actuality, when they saw me run by, they're like, oh man, I hope that old guy doesn't have a heart attack, or I mean, I hope he doesn't kill himself. You know, bless his heart, he thinks he's running fast. I hope I can walk when I'm that old. Things like that, all right? I've been dealing with that for my gray hair for a long time. Changing my mindset and just trying to think, that doesn't, all right, there's no reality to that. That's not gonna help me get any better. But what Paul is saying is that you can change your mindset, and you're changing your mindset based on what Jesus accomplished. He accomplished the victory. He won the victory over sin, and that is why you can reckon or consider or count yourself dead to sin. You are no longer enslaved to sin. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross and won the victory. He rose again and lives today. So I can consider myself dead to sin because Jesus won the victory. I don't have to be enslaved to it anymore. When I stumble, I can seek forgiveness from Christ and again walk in the newness of life that he offers. That is, I need to change my mindset to remember 
I am dead to sin. I am alive to God because of what Christ did. Because it, even in, right, Paul makes it very clear at the end of that verse. He's like, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is a reality for all of us. Each and every person here that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ can walk in newness of life with Christ. And so as we close, as we get ready for communion, I want you to think through just a couple things. One, if you have never accepted Jesus as Savior, or you say, I, don't, I am not on the same side as Jesus Christ. I am not unified with him. I have never placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know how to deal with the, my sin or the penalty of my sin. I would beg that you would come talk to one of us. We would love to explain to you how you can know for sure that you have eternal life through Jesus Christ, that your sins can be paid for. And then if you do know Jesus as Savior, then I would challenge you to think through what are you spending your time on and what do you, what do you know? Are you reflecting on the truth of what God has accomplished? Are you spending time in his word? What is informing? What is informing your mindset? What is setting the way that you think? Is it God and his word or is it just everything that's going on in this world and your feelings and emotions? And then the cool thing is we'll continue to talk about this even more and more next week because Paul's going to give us even more practical steps on how we walk in victory with, from sin. But I would, I would challenge you to think through how are you walking now? I was challenged by this the other day when I was in the youth group and we were talking about Ephesians 2. It talks a lot about the same thing. You were dead in your trespass, but God made you alive through Christ. God makes us alive Yet so many times we want to walk like we did when we were dead. If you are alive in Christ, do not walk like you are dead. Walk in the newness of the life that Christ offers. And that was convicted in my own heart because how many times do I try and fit in or walk like everyone else? Don't do it. Don't walk like you're dead. You are alive with Christ. Walk in the joy that Christ gives. And so as we, as I'm going to pray here in a minute, it, we're going to partake of communion. And we're going to reflect on what Jesus did on the cross. And as you go into communion, I want you to pray and evaluate your heart and think through those things. Um, there are four tables that will be set up with communion elements. So when I am done praying, I would love for you to just get up and go to one of the four tables that's close to you um, and Take the elements and then go back to your seat and spend some time reflecting, praying, because communion is a, a somber time. It is a good time. It is a time to think of what Christ did and to praise him, to confess sin, to thank him. And so we just would pray that you would take that time of reflection to think through those things. Take time to pray and ready your heart for communion. And then once the reflection time is done, then Pastor Andy will come up and lead us to partake in communion together. So I will pray, and then you guys can get um, your elements. And one last thing I forgot to mention, there are, for those who need gluten-free, there are gluten-free um, at each table as well, if you need that. Um, there are gluten-free crackers. They are separated. They look different than the other ones, so you'll know which ones they are. All right, and so let me pray, and we will do communion. 
Father, I thank you for the mercy and grace that you show us. Just reflecting on your word, just humbled by the fact that you would save sinners like us, that you would save a sinner like me. Father, I pray that you would help us to set our minds to walk as you would have us to walk. Lord, that we would reflect on all that you accomplished through your Son. Lord, the more we meditated on it, the more, the more amazing it becomes. So may you use your Spirit and your Word to work in our hearts and to grow our love for you and appreciation for all that you accomplished. And may you bless our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.